welcome to the Staying Ageless podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Associate E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we will be talking about the power of fitness to transform your mindset. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys a few simple tips about wellness hacks that you can use to get out of your comfort zone. And later, we'll be chatting with our expert for today, personal trainer, Nathaniel Wilkins. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe, rate the show, go on and give some stars, and don't forget to write a review about the show on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. All right, y'all, I am excited about today's show, as I believe now more than ever, mindset is everything. As this global pandemic continues, the status quo has shifted, it can be really easy to stay stuck in complaining about what is and missing opportunities to shift, transform, and even level up with the time that we have. As a behavioral coach, I see clients all the time in my practice who are not only afraid of change, they almost resent it. And I totally understand. Why does this happen to us? Well, because sticking with the status quo is comfortable. It's much easier to have a poor diet, not exercise, and talk about the body or the health that you want than to grit your teeth and wake up every single day ready to do the work. The good news is that our physiology very much affects our mind. So even if we don't feel like it, there are certain things that we can actually do daily to push us gently outside of our comfort zone. Before I tell you one of my favorite ways to do this, let's talk about what is our comfort zone? Where does this come from? Well, our comfort zone is actually a behavioral space where your activities and your behaviors, they fit a routine and a pattern that minimizes stress and risk. It's a state that provides mental security. You benefit from the space in obvious ways. You might be happier, although some people are in their comfort zone and not necessarily happy. They're just in this neutral state of like, eh. You might have lower anxiety and reduced stress. The whole idea of the comfort zone can really be traced back to a classic experiment in psychology, which happened in 1908. There were two psychologists, Robert M. Yerkes and John D. Dotson, and they explained that a state of relative comfort created a steady level of performance, but that in order for humans to actually maximize performance, we actually need a state of relative anxiety, a space where our stress levels are slightly higher than normal. This space is called optimal anxiety, and it's just outside of our comfort zone. However, there is a balance because if there's too much anxiety, we can become too stressed to be productive, and our performance actually will go south. So basically, your comfort zone is neither a good or a bad thing. It's kind of this neutral state that most people trend towards. Leaving it means that you increase risk and anxiety, which can have positive or negative results depending on how extreme it is. One of the number one and free things you can do to get out of your comfort zone is take cold showers. I know you're like, chow, what? Yes, take cold showers. Okay, trust me, I love warmth. I love warm showers. I love warm baths. I love warm turmeric milk. I love a good warm cup of tea. But a while ago, I stopped taking warm showers in the morning. Why? 
Well, at first I thought it might help me get out of my comfort zone and I wanted to shake things up a bit. And I had heard that people like Tony Robbins, David Wolf, um, high achievers um, were doing cryotherapy and they were doing, or the Wim Hof method, they were doing these cold therapy things. And I never really took the time to investigate the science behind it until I started to notice that taking cold showers were starting to improve my focus and energy throughout the entire day. Now, here's why. Our brain and our gut are connected via the gut-brain axis, and they communicate with each other. Just in case you never heard this, people describe it as the gut-brain connection. This connection and the communication between the gut and the brain happens through the vagus nerve. It's one of the longest veins in the body and has the ability to channel communication both ways. So that's why communication from the gut to the brain impacts our emotions and mood. It kind of goes both ways. Like if I have butterflies in my stomach, I might have anxious thoughts. If I have anxious thoughts, I might actually not be able to digest my food right and might have a queasy stomach. It kind of goes back and forth that way. The other thing that most of us don't know is that not all vagus nerves are equal in strength. So people with stronger vagal activity or higher vagal tone are actually able to relax faster after experiencing stress. Higher vagal tone makes your body better at regulating blood glucose levels, reducing the likelihood of diabetes, stroke, cardiovascular disease, and low vagal tone actually has been associated with chronic inflammation. So our nervous system is comprised of the parasympathetic and sympathetic systems. The parasympathetic system turns on to calm us down. So it's, it's our rest and relax mode when we're practicing mindfulness. It improves our ability to heal, rest, digest our food properly. And on the other end, the sympathetic nervous system is what kicks in when we're exposed to stress, trauma, or danger. And this is our fight or flight responder. The biggest issue that we have in today's society is most of us are in fight or flight all the time because we're overstressed. And it's usually in response to stimulus that is actually not really life-threatening. So what's key to understand is that our body can only do one or the other. So we're either going to be in rest mode or fight or flight mode. There's no like in between. But in order to support healing, digest our food better, reduce inflammation and susceptibility disease, we need to be more often than not have our parasympathetic nervous system turned on. Guess what can actually improve vagal tone and activate the parasympathetic nervous system? You guessed it, cold showers or exposure to extreme cold. What happens at first is that you kind of get this shock and your sympathetic activity will increase. But after a moment, when your body gets used to the cold, the parasympathetic activity increases. One random controlled trial had 3,018 participants participate in hot to cold showers for 30, 60, and 90 seconds for 30 days versus a control group. They found that the group that followed the hot to cold shower protocol had a 29% reduction in sickness absence at work. Wow. Another study that investigated cold showers as a treatment for depression found that the cold showers did have a beneficial effect on improving depressive symptoms but their data and test group were not necessarily adequate to apply to larger populations. So more study on this is needed. But as you can see, productivity, mood, all of these things can be affected just from taking a cold shower. So if you need a completely free energy boost, immunity recharge, or you just want to get out of a funk, take a cold shower. We are all conditioned to be comfortable, especially in the Western world. And it turns out that a little dose of discomfort every morning can go a long way. 
So the next time your friend tags you in the ice bucket challenge, do it and feel free to tag me. I am so down. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we're going to chat with our amazing guests. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. Today's guest is Nate Wilkins, who is a 66 years young personal trainer and creator of The Ageless Workout, who says he is in the race to reach 100 years of age. A former park and recreations executive turned wellness guru, Nate has dedicated his life to staying in shape and helping others do the same. He's up every day before 5 a.m., practicing what he preaches by cross-training. He attends boxing classes, aqua fit classes, heart cycling classes, and more. Currently, he teaches a series of virtual fitness classes as well as conducts personal training sessions for his clients around the world. Nate is also the author of the three-part book series, The Now Factors for Success. Thank you so much, Nate, for coming on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, likewise. So your story is pretty incredible. You went from working at a beef packing plant, is that correct, to being a COO of uh, park and, Parks and Recreation? Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. How did that happen? Tell us a little bit about your journey and then how you ended up getting into health and fitness. Okay, so here's the thing. You know, so you graduate from high school and then you go on to college. And so I didn't really have uh, access to the dollars to pay for my school completely, partial scholarship. And so Mm. I worked part time at a beef packing plant to uh, help pay for my education. And then later on, you know, after graduation, then, of course, I got one job. I got another job, which led to, you know, each, each time there was a promotion. So. Long story short, I left Cincinnati, Ohio. I was assistant director at the uh, Cincinnati Recreation Commission. A friend of mine who was uh, a presidential appointee asked me to come on as his chief chief operating officer for the National Recreation Parks Association. And so I said, well, you know, there's no, no courage in staying. Why don't you try something new? So I tried to uh, to go and work for National Recreation Parks Association. And that's how I got uh, that position, uh, mm. you know, sort of you know, relationships. And it's always about, you know, your network, right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's sort of a, a short way around that. There were, there were a lot of things in between, but yeah, that's how I got to the National Recreation Parks Association. Okay. And then what, what led you into health and fitness? So that's an interesting uh, turn of events right there. I I was um, 
I had the sense to go to the hospital because I was feeling some pain in my chest uh, mm -hmm. when I was living in Cincinnati. And they kept me in the hospital in ICU and they said that I was having some challenges with my heart and said something about many heart attacks and what have you. And, and all of the people who worked for me got the got the information and they started to visit me and they looked like they were you know, so sad. And somebody said to me, well, they didn't think you were going to make it. And I oh, said wow. to myself while I was while I was there in that bed, I said, if I ever get out of this bed, I won't have to worry about that again. And they let me out. And then that's when I started to do exercise, walking and changing my diet. And later on, I started taking more classes. Uh, classes actually led to meeting someone who said, well, why don't you learn how to teach there from teaching? I uh, started to develop an interest in the business side of of health and fitness. And, and that grew and that sort of took me to this place that I am right now um, hmm. with a health and, and fitness business that um, is more about lifestyle. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it's a, it's the personal story. And so many people actually are faced with this same kind of challenge uh, and some make the decision to change at the time and some wait. And um, I was one who decided that I needed to make uh, make some some wholesale changes. Um, and that's, you know, sort of how this whole thing sort of developed. But but there's another piece to that that I would share with you that while I was working for the city of North Miami as their park and recreation director, the city manager one day came in and said to me, um, we're going in a different direction and it doesn't include you. And so through the inspiration of desperation, I had mm. to scramble. So it was good for me that I was already involved with, uh, with, you know, developing fitness and had some opportunities to do it. And, and so you, you get some incredible coping skills when your back is up, up against the wall. And I, you know, right. I can imagine that a lot of people could relate to that. Right. No, totally. Um, yeah. So what, what does it mean to be mentally tough? I feel like a lot of people don't really like how, well, how would you define being mentally tough? Well, that's what I was alluding to uh, when I told you that the city manager came to me and said, well, we're going in a different direction. I had to make a decision to do something right at that time because I didn't have millions of dollars or parents who were looking out for me. So I had to, you know, sort of take that as an opportunity to grow. And that's what some people don't do. They don't see these things as opportunities to grow. And mm. there's a certain amount of growth in struggle. And mm. so mental, having the mental toughness to persevere, even in the face of, of tragedy or when things look like they're just going to not work out, you you have the capacity, the belief in in who you are, and uh, and you have the faith that things are going to work out, and you just sort of grit your teeth and you go for it, knowing that this is it. I mean, you don't have you burn right. the bridges, and you don't have anywhere else to go, and and there's a certain thing that happens there. You you it starts to click in. And you just know right there that it's that that it's going to work out no matter what. And even if it doesn't, it's all it's going to be all right anyway. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And, and, and it's, it's one of those things where it's uncomfortable. We, we all really like to be comfortable, but it's, it's not a comfortable process to go through what you just described. How do we cultivate that mindset? Like, are there things that we can do to allow ourselves to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable? Well, I, I can actually share with you that growing is not comfortable. Some people think that growing is comfortable. But if you watch a child uh, mm-hmm. who's learning how to walk, they're going to fall a bunch of times before they actually know how to walk. And and that is not an easy thing. They may may fall and hit their head or maybe, you know, fall and, you know, you, hit, you see them crying, but they get right back up. And so mm-hmm. it's it's it's. With people, with adults, sometimes we think that everything is supposed to be so easy because we've had people, you know, blocking for us and giving us uh, what we need to get there. But I can contend, I would suggest to you that there's, there is, there is something about uh, depending on yourself to get up more times than you get knocked down. That's where mm. the growth is, that when, when situations don't look like they're going to work out, you have the sense of mind that you go into your own inside yourself and figure out ways to, to make it work. And so when you talk about being comfortable with being uncomfortable, I mean, that is that is really what it's going to take, particularly right now. We're mm. all uncomfortable with with COVID-19 and all of the things that are going on. Now, some yeah. people are not going to weather the storm, but those who are, are finding a way to make it work, whether you uh, go virtual or whether you go to, um, go to the drawing board and create something new, uh, but that's being uncomfortable. Looking at your finances and saying, well, man, you know, I got to figure out how to how to make it work. I got to cut back on some things. I got to give up some things. That's being uncomfortable, but you still Mm. are going to make it if you decide that that's what you're going to do. No, so true. And I to add to what you're saying, too, I think part of the reason why some people aren't going to make it is because they're not flexible. And in in order to be flexible, you also have to release the attachment to what was and accept what is happening right now. You can't be you can't be stuck on. Well, I wish I wasn't in quarantine or I wish that we could do things the way that we used to do. You have to literally adapt. Yeah. So 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 I can relate to what you just said. Let me let me just give you a sense of what what I mean. So Mm. I I I do a lot of face to face with people. Uh, particularly those those people who have high incomes, who maybe ath- maybe athletes or what have you, who are really trying to get their lives together. But when COVID nineteen hit, we couldn't face to face, so almost immediately I had to pivot. I had to I had to go Zoom. I had to learn mm-hmm. how to do Zoom. I had to learn how to do FaceTime. I had to learn how to do Skype. Almost mm. overnight. If I was going to survive, I had to figure that out right there. So that's what what I call pivoting. But also uh, what I would suggest to people is that you have to be uh, agile. You have to be Mm. mobile. You really really have to call on some things that you you didn't want to call on that you didn't even know you had in order to be successful during these times. It's a whole new time and things are, are not going to get back to where they were. And if you're not ready to deal with the situation as you find it today, you're going to be wondering what happened to you. Many will yeah. do that. Yeah, no, totally. What is mindset strength training? So um, I take a lot of people through strength training, 
but it's it's those who can persevere. It's almost like you're you're going to some type of a military training that it's that if you don't have your mind wrapped around um, being successful, you will give up. And mm-hmm. so yeah, that is sort of the, the kind of thing that that I think that uh, many people need uh, in, in order to be successful today, that, that it helps you set your mind on uh, the track that you want to be on and you persevere. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people can compare that to any kind of basic training. Um, because if you, if you let a person who is, uh, or, or, or let someone train you and, and you, you let them take your mind off of you being successful, accomplishing what you came there for, you, you will lose, but you learn, um, through setting your mind at the end goal that you're going to accomplish it no matter what. And, mm-hmm. and, and in that process, you start to say, well, this is, you know, this can be fun because the body is always asking for more when yeah. it's when it's properly conditioned. It'll the body will respond. It's the mind. It's the mind that that uh, the, the, the inside that tells you that this is too much. But if you just, you know, say to yourself or say to the mind, leave me alone, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this the mind will shut up. So you start to discipline your mind to accomplish what you want to accomplish. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. And that was the, that was the next question I was going to ask you, which is like, you know, what is the correlation between having a tough mindset and fitness? But it sounds like you, you basically answered it. It's like, if, if we can get to the place of pushing past those, again, uncomfortable moments where, where our body or our mind thinks we can't go further then we get tougher. Oh, oh, absolutely. And and then, you know, things don't seem as difficult once you get that, that, that certain toughness about you that, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make it work. I mean, that's that I think, again, going back, that's what it's going to take now uh, more than ever uh, to actually weather the, the storm of COVID-19 because every time we turn around, we're seeing one more thing happen and we're thinking, well, we were over this and now we're back at it again. Mm-hmm. So what 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 are you going to do when your back is up against the wall? Figure it out. Yeah, no, totally. Tell us about your ageless workout. Like, what's your workout r- routine? I, w- I want to know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So so um, the ageless workout really is about again, going back to mindset. But when you talk about my workout, like tomorrow morning, I'll be up at uh, at 5 a.m. getting ready for my boxing training class, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is at six o'clock. Uh, and then uh, I'll come back and teach my classes. And then I'll do another workout with, with weights myself. And then later on in the afternoon, I'll do aqua fit. So mm. there's about two to three trainings that I do um, just to keep my mind straight. And so w- what I'm saying to you is that in this time, I need to be super fit. Mm. And, mm. and these boxing, these boxing trainings and these aqua classes are, are nothing short of challenging. And, yeah. and that's what I think that it takes. So 
three to four times a week, that's the kind of thing that 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 I'm doing. Either it's boxing or it's aqua or I'm doing sort of a resistance training with weights. But I'm not talking about heavy weights. What I'm saying is I'm, I'm working on position and posture. I'm trying mm-hmm. to correct my body posture so that um, I don't know if, if if you saw this, but I'm in a race to 100. So mm-hmm. when I get to be 100, I want to be in good shape. I want to be there having fun. So yeah. I have to do the work now. And so I'm willing to put in the effort through the boxing training, through the aqua fit and the resistance training that I do, in addition to the instruction that I give to everybody else. I, I guess what I'm saying to you is that my training is not the training that I do for other people. That's their training. I'm talking about mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was and interested in. <laughs> so, so the so the last thing that I that I do, uh, like this morning, uh, is heart rate uh, cycling. Mm. So I go to a class with uh, with an instructor, and he's teaching me how to train my heart rate at different levels. 65%, 85%, bring that down to another 65 and take it back up to 85. So so I guess what I'm saying is you're not going to see uh, a 100-year-old person that's fat. Right. I want to be super fit. So I got to do everything right now that I can to get myself in position so that when I get to be a certain age, I don't, I'm not carrying all of that weight and I'm not carrying all of the stress and all of the other stuff that's associated with being unhealthy. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And what is your what is your diet regimen like? Because it sounds like you burn a ridiculous amount of calories. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you 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 definitely have to manage your food intake, right? And I'm not a real diet person. I'm an eat right kind of person. I need to make sure that um, that I'm eating the proper amount of proteins and carbohydrates that I think more importantly that I'm getting a proper amount of rest. Mm-hmm. So as an example, after a workout, my boxing uh, workout, I come home and eat within the, within the hour. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I even do intermittent fasting mm-hmm. because in a, intermittent fasting after a certain period of time will allow me to eat uh, large quantities of the food and then I can shut that off, say six, seven o'clock at night, and not eat again until ten or eleven the next day, and I can eat eat quite a bit. So it varies. I'm not I'm not a strict diet person. I'm more of a healthy eating, making sure that you get vegetables, making sure you get fruit, making sure you get the proper amount of water. And I'm I'm even experimenting now with plant based. Um, proteins and plant-based foods. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I guess what I'm really saying is that um, everybody's different and I don't want to get caught on whether it's paleo or some Atkins diet or some other thing. For me, it's about what makes me function uh, properly, even if, it, even if I have to throughout the day sip on some amino acids just mm-hmm. to persevere. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make my body function at the level that I want it to function at. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. For me, um, the, the 
the truest measure of health is resilience. Like I, I believe that you really don't know how healthy someone is unless they can bounce back pretty fast from whatever happened to them. Um, are there, and I, and I know you talk a little bit about um, like bouncing back from like, you know, challenges and all that stuff. Um, what are some things that we can do? Like if, if we've fallen off or we, we've come across the health crisis, what are some things we can do to drag ourselves out? I mean, I guess working out is definitely probably one of them. Are there any other things that you could suggest? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, put put the shoes by the side of the bed, put the clothes <laughs> by the side of the bed. When you wake up in the morning, you know, get about get 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 into the shoes, get into the to work out clothes and take a walk for about five, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Fifteen or ten minutes will lead to about thirty minutes, will lead to about an hour. So each day, just put one foot in front of the other. Uh, I think that that you can you you begin to see a pattern, and I think there's something that says if after you do that for about 66 days, you have you have established that uh, that habit. But but I but I I think that I would take a step back, and it's a place called willingness. Mm. Are you willing to fight for your own health and wellness? Mm. Are you willing to make a make a decision that it's important to me? Because here's here's the last thing I'd say on that. Health is uh, your number one priority. If if you don't take care of your health, then you're going to spend your wealth trying to take care of your health. <laughs> you will you will if you will go to the hospital or to the doctor to take care of your health because it'll mm-hmm. tell on you. So it 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 has to become number one priority in your life. Hmm. Do you incorporate mindfulness, prayer, spirituality in any way, like in your journey? I've interviewed a lot of people who are, I would consider ageless, who between the ages of 70 to 109 was the <laughs> was the oldest person I've interviewed. And it seems to me that they all have that in common. They had like um, some sort of spiritual practice and they also had a way of looking at life that seemed to keep them positive. So um, for me, it's that uh, 4 a 4 a.m. time where I get up and I walk my dogs uh, around the block. And it is that time that I'm in nature and I hear from um, the creator on high what my instructions are in the day. But mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would share with you that I have a journal. And mm-hmm. I uh, I write down uh, thoughts in the journal. I try to uh, look at the day uh, past and what I've done well and what I didn't do so well and correct that. Uh, I also have any number of of um, audio books that I listen to or meditation music that I listen to. I, I make sure that I get some solitude so that I can do the deep dive and the inward journey to figure out what I'm going to do next and where I've been and how to fix that and to stay, stay um, connected and, and, and get that sense of joy. I, I think that's what you're asking me about, but that's, uh, that's an important piece for me. And, mm. and the, the other thing I would share with you is that um, I, I do a lot of stretching and in my stretch and flex routine, I'm, I'm actually focused and concentrating on those things as well. So there are any number of ways that I go about accomplishing what you just asked me. 
Okay. My last question is, in your book, The Factors for Success, now you said that young people should ask older people how, how, how their values have changed as they age. And so I want to know from you how your values have changed. Mm, that, you know, that's interesting. So the things that, that, that I used to think were so important, uh, the people that I used to think were important, those, those are sort of different now. Um, mm. I, I can contend that family is important to me now more than ever. I can tell you that, um, when I used to look at automobiles, I always wanted a certain type of automobile. Now it doesn't matter to me if mm. I have that particular automobile. What I need is transportation. What I really want is to have more experiences, um, that will allow me to, you know, sort of, uh, enjoy my life that mm. it, that it's that um it is not so important the possessions that I, that I acquire because what what I've learned through watching people pass on and as and as I am right now you can't take that stuff with you right? I, I I learned from from an old Jewish friend of mine that you can't even take a pair of socks with you right so it's 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 the experiences, it's the memories, it's the family that's important. And, I, you know, if you can if I could share that with young people and they could incorporate that, then I think they would have a more more happier, happier life. I think that they would be a, a lot more um, directed in terms of accomplishing goals and not so much uh, tied up into material things or their friends, uh, whether their friends' opinions matter, uh, what they do and what they think. You know, so the last mm-hmm. thing, I, last thing that I would share with you is that um, what people think about me is not my business. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I love it. Uh, where can people find you online, Nate? Instagram, Ageless Healing Official. Nate Wilkins 305 and on Facebook, uh, Nathaniel Oliver Wilkins. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show. Great. Thank you. Okay, it's time to take some questions from Instagram and email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you have to do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs, or respond to the call for questions on my profile at The Raw Girl on Instagram, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. The question for today is from Toya via email. Dear Raw Girl, I feel like I'm stuck in the cycle of self-sabotage. I know what to do, but whenever I start to eat healthy and exercise again, somehow one bad day will throw me off and I am back to square one again. Any tips? Hi, Toya. Thanks so much for reaching out, lady. This is so common. So just know that you're not alone. (laughs) The first thing I will tell you is that any change in behavior requires momentum. How you build momentum is through repetition. Part of the reason why it's so hard to change the habits you already have is because you've repeated them so often that they are hardwired in your brain. 
So it's important that even if you have a bad day, you get right back up again and get focused. One mantra I love to tell my clients is don't break the chain, never miss twice. Instead of using your one bad day to throw you off, I want you to try to start again immediately and see if you can with more gusto than you had before. Give yourself some grace, of course, and remind yourself of your why. Make sure it's compelling enough to keep you going. The other thing you can do is to get to the root cause of your resistance to changing certain behaviors through the subconscious mind. In my practice, we do this through encouraging daily meditation or mindfulness. And then we go even deeper sometimes and we have people do rapid transformation therapy. Check out my past episode on the power of the subconscious mind to learn more about this. I really hope this helps you. All right, y'all, it is time to close out the show. I really hope this show has inspired you to consider exercising, strength training, maybe taking a cold shower, (laughs) doing whatever it is you need to do to occasionally get out of your comfort zone and increase your mental toughness. Remember, your comfort zone isn't a bad thing. We shouldn't demonize our comfort zones. We don't have to limit ourselves to continuously pursuing huge experiences. But maybe meditation pushes you out of your comfort zone just a little bit. Maybe just as much as bungee jumping would. (laughs) And if so, then why not try meditation or why not try the cold shower? The goal isn't to become an adrenaline junkie. You just want to learn what you're really capable of. And that's another reason why it's really important to return to our comfort zone sometimes and just be. The amazing part is that when we return to our home base, we get to bring back new knowledge and the growth that we experience from those inspired, creative, super productive, and slightly uncomfortable moments that expanded our idea of what is possible. Today, I'll leave you with a quote by Roy T. Bennett. The comfort zone is a psychological state in which one feels familiar, safe, at ease, and secure. You never change your life until you step out of your comfort zone. Change begins at the end of your comfort zone. If you know you are someone who prefers the familiar, I hope that this week you do at least one thing to challenge yourself. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have questions for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show and to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com.